Hi, this is Mark Graven from Kinexus. I want to welcome you to today's webinar titled Applying Strategy Deployment to Your Personal Goals. And this is going to be presented by uh, Jess Orr, and I'll introduce her in a minute and hand things off to her. So let me introduce Jess. Uh, if you are a regular attendee of our Kinexus webinars, uh, for one, thank you for doing so, but you may have attended one of uh, Jess's two previous webinars that she did on A3 problem solving. One, uh, very much along the lines of today's webinar was about A3 problem solving as applied uh, to our, our personal lives. And then she did uh, a follow-up webinar uh, with a deep dive into the A3 methodology. So you can find both of those in our Kinexus webinar library. But I'm really happy that Jess agreed to come back for a third time here to talk about strategy deployment and ocean planning. You know, Jess is uh, a continuous improvement thinker and practitioner with more than 10 years of experience in a variety of industries, including um, time working at Toyota. She holds a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Virginia Tech and two Six Sigma Black Belt certifications. I'll, I'll, I'll ask Jesse, I don't know if that, is that overproduction? Of, you've got two, two black belts, but that's, uh, that's good to see. And uh, in her current, I'm supposed to be introducing Jess, not roasting her, sorry. And in her current role, she applies her passion for people and processes to empower her fellow employees to make impactful and sustainable improvements. So I would encourage you um, to check out her website and blog. You can find that at www.yokatenlearning.com. So with that, I'll get out of the way. Apologize for um, giving you grief during the introductions, but it's really good to have you here, Jess. Thank you, Mark. And I would have to agree about the two black belts. Um, I actually recently had to go back and get my yellow belt, which seemed even more wasteful, perhaps, but learn something every time I go through the training. <laughs> yeah. So happy new year, everyone. Thank you for joining today's webinar. So as Mark said, I'm Jess Orr. I'm a continuous improvement practitioner at Westrock. We're a large global paper and packaging company. And in line with the topic of today's webinar, so I've had a variety of experiences with the Hoshin Conry strategy deployment process. Um, the first was most formative. So when I worked at Toyota, we used Hoshin Conry every year to set our strategic goals and cascade those down through the organization. So I, I saw a mature organization use Hoshin Conry. But the learning really started to come in for me when I began to apply it in an organization outside of Toyota. And in doing so, I learned a lot through, through failing in some aspects at doing that, although certainly overall it was a success, but ran into some stumbles in the process. And, and I'll definitely incorporate that into um, some of my tips and tricks um, but most recently in 2018, I thought about using Hoshin Conry for my personal strategy deployment, if you will, and had a lot of success with that. And that's really what I want to share with you today is how to do that as well in your own life. So our learning objectives for today, we're going to understand why Hoshin Conry. So why is Hoshin Conry have some advantages over more traditional strategy and goal setting, like management by objectives or New Year's resolutions in this case? Hoshin Conry can seem very overwhelming and intimidating, especially the first time that you look at it. Um, I like to keep things simple, so I'm going to break it down to the basics as best as I can. Um, I think with learning, if you 
understand the fundamentals first. You can add layers of complexity in later. So this is more of a primer to Hosha. There's definitely a lot more nuance to it. I'm still learning myself, but really we're going to focus on the basics in this webinar. And we're going to apply them specifically to personal strategy. So I've had to make some modifications to general Hoshin as applied to organizations to apply it to my personal life. But I was actually surprised to find I didn't have to make any tweaks to the major elements. It was mostly some minor nuance, and I'll share what that was. And then finally, I want you to take away some actionable insight. So hopefully by the end of this webinar, you'd feel a little with actually applying these concepts in your own life, but I would encourage you to just practice. You're not going to get it right the first time. I didn't get it right the first time. I know I'm not going to get it right in 2019, but every, every time you practice, you get better with it. So what problem are we trying to solve with Hoshin Conry? What's the challenge? Well, the statistics say that about of the 40% of people in America who um, use New Year's resolutions, only about 8% of them actually achieve them. So if any of you go to the gym regularly, you've probably seen the following phenomena. So come January, right, the gym gets packed. You can't get on your favorite equipment because someone's always using it. But come the end of February, March, you start to see the gym thin out again. Um, so I think we're all kind of familiar in our personal lives or in other people's lives that the limited impact that New Year's resolutions can have. So I've had a slightly higher success rate um, with New Year's resolutions. I've done them for the past seven to nine years or so, um, but never had a higher success rate than 50%, which I consider to be, that to be uh, not optimal, only achieving 50% of what I wanted to do every year. So these challenges apply as well to organizations. Um, we've all seen companies that have not been able to hit their strategic goals or have too many of them. So the concepts apply in both organizational and personal applications. So here's the challenge. We, we know we don't like the results, right? Or we, there's room to improve them. How can we improve our process so that we can achieve better results? Well, my hypothesis was this. I thought if I apply Hoshin to my strategy, I, I might achieve a better having seen it work so well in organizational strategy. So I thought I would experiment with that last year. And the results are in, just came in a few days ago. Um, so we achieved about over 80% of the targets that I set out for myself. So, you know, statistically speaking, you know, without having to, to do a, a significance testing on that, I would say um, an increase of 50% to 80% is probably pretty significant. So what is Hoshin Kanri? Well, it's one of those Japanese words that doesn't translate directly into English, so we kept the original Japanese term, but it loosely translates into direction and execution. So some other terms you may have heard it described as are compass management or strategy deployment, but it's really this holistic system for strategic development and execution. So this is not just strategy planning, which most companies are familiar with. It's a system for planning, but also the management and execution of the activities. I like to think of it as a high level plan, do, study, adjust cycle. So just like the Deming cycle that many of you may be aware of, Hoshin is really this macro PDSA cycle that embeds these micro PDSA cycles within it, as we'll see as we go along here. 
really the power of Hoshan Conry lies in that ensures that the daily things that we work on are aligned to moving us towards our true north. Hoshan Conry really defines where we're going and how we're going to get there. So again, it's that strategy, you know, where's our true north and how we're going to get there, the roadmap. So before we talk about some of the advantages of Hoshan, let's, let's look at what some of the gaps are in traditional approaches. So this could be the management by objective style approach, New Year's resolutions for personal application. What are some of the gaps that we see? Well, the fundamental gap is there's a misalignment throughout the organization. So the daily things that we're working on don't necessarily drive us towards our strategic vision, or there may be partial alignment, but we're not really maximizing our effort. So our goals may be defined. We may know what we want to go after. We may even have measurable, quantifiable targets around them, and that's good, but we haven't actually defined how we're going to achieve them. And I think New Year's resolutions particularly um, are susceptible to this. So many of us might say, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds this year, but we don't really stop and think, well, how am I going to do that? There's a lot of different ways I can go about doing that. How, what activities am I going to engage in on a daily basis to make sure that I'm driving progress forward towards those goals. Another one, so if a vision's even set, and I would say with New Year's resolutions, I don't know that necessarily people are thinking, how do these goals align with my long-term goals for myself? And we're talking 10 years out. So they're kind of short-term, these one-year goals, but we're not necessarily focusing on what are the main gaps between where I am right now where I wanna be, and then focusing our goals on closing those gaps, the, the major gaps that we're seeing. This is key here. So there's a lack of a system to measure our progress incrementally. So what we don't wanna do is wait until December 19 and find out that we didn't hit our goals, right? I'd like to, we'd like to get ahead of that. So how are we measuring this as we go along throughout the year? And even more importantly, when we identify that we've got a gap, and those process metrics, it gives us a chance, an opportunity to do something and respond to it to ensure that we hit the goal by year end. So for organizations and even individuals that you know practice continuous improvement, even though you know that that's a great thing, obviously I'm a big fan of continuous improvement, um, but we see this scattershot approach. So we have people who are improving things, but they're not necessarily linked to our high-level goals and vision. And in fact, there are some cases where that could even be harmful. So partially it's a, um, a sub-optimization of resources, but also in the, in the following example, which I've seen, um, so someone decided they wanted to run a Kaizen event to reduce the setup or change over time on the machine. And the, the, the overall impact of that would be increased throughput throughout the facility. So they went ahead and did that, but the problem was they had great success with the project, but the facility was, was under capacity to begin with. So all they did was essentially improve their throughput, but they weren't able to backfill it with more work. So they actually ended up having to send people home on Fridays and in part due to that effort and some other efforts. So definitely had an unintended consequence there. If they had started with their overall goals and vision, they might have seen that that wasn't something that was the right thing to focus on at that time. So the main problem is this, you know, our effort and resources are not optimized to drive progress toward our vision. 
Now, Hoshan really aligns that strategy and execution throughout the organization. So it starts with the vision and it cascades that vision down to goals, cascades that to what daily activities and improvement are we going to work on. So similarly, our daily activities and improvement are driving our results towards our goals, which are driving our progress toward our vision. So we're seeking to have this true alignment. And Hoshin is emphasizing that we're working on the right things to drive the right results. So some key characteristics of Hoshin. It always begins with the long-term strategic vision. So what is our true north? What are we aiming towards? Um, I love the way one element of Toyota's vision that I, I really resonates with me that I'll share with you is this. So it's Toyota will lead the way to the future of mobility, enriching lives around the world, safest and most responsible ways of moving people. It focuses us on what those critical few goals are versus the trivial many. I think many of us have worked in organizations that have a number of goals, but there's just too many of them, right? We can't, so we execute them with mediocrity instead of with excellence because we're just dispersing our efforts because we focused on too many. It maximizes our effort and resources. So we're all, we're all rowing in the same direction, right? We're not wasting our effort or wasting our people's time. What's really unique to Hoshin, especially um, in, in comparison to management objective, by objectives is, is it includes this catch ball process. And what that does is that obtains input from all levels of the organization. So we're actually giving feedback, feedback into that plan before we're executing that plan. And we'll talk a little bit more about catchball later and the impact that that can have. It defines the process, right? So we're actually going to look at what activities are we going to experiment with to get the results that we need and how are we going to measure whether or not those are the right activities and if we're driving progress towards our goals. It embeds these micro PDSA cycles. So I talked about experimentation. So just because we decide what activities we're going to engage in at the beginning of the year, doesn't necessarily mean that those are the, act, the right activities. You know, we think they are, right? Based on the best of, best of our knowledge, but we're gonna actually evaluate that assumption and make sure they are the right activities. If they're not, we're gonna look at pivoting or mod modifying them. So Hoshin, when you do it at the beginning of the year, you set your Hoshin plan, you don't, that's not the last time you look at it until the end of the year. So you've actually got these checkpoints during the year where you're evaluating the Hoshin itself. And the reason for that is there could be changing external or internal conditions that might require you to adapt your Hoshin. Right, you may have unfortunately had to have a layoff in your company, right? So you're gonna have to change your Hoshin now that you have fewer resources or there could be an external factor. Um, that happened in my personal life last year and I did have to significantly change my Hoshin because of that. And I'll share with you what that example was later. So the high level Hoshin process, it looks like this. I've tried to break it down into six main steps. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're gonna set our vision. What is our true north? We're gonna scan the situation. And I think a lot of times we miss this step and it's very important. So in order to understand what to focus on, we've gotta have our vision, 
but we've also got to have a good understanding of what our current situation is right now. We're going to identify the short and intermediate targets that are kind of a, the, um, the, the, the sub-destinations on the way to our final destination of True North. So we're going to identify and quantify those targets. We're going to build the roadmap. We know where we want to go. How are we actually going to get there? So the roadmap is our guide throughout the year to see if we're tracking with our HOTION. We've got to actually work the plan. So after, I think there's a quote that says, planning is everything, plans are nothing, right? So just because we have our HOTION plan, it doesn't do us any good if we don't actually execute on it. So we've got to work the plan. And then finally, review and adjust. So we do this throughout the year, and you'll see that um, in some of the following slides. But these steps do follow the PVSA process. So the first four steps are really that planning phase. And the work the plan step is the do phase. And the final step, of course, is the study and adjust phase. And you'll notice here how, how much larger the planning steps are in relation to the other two, the other two steps. Uh, and that is, that is pretty accurate. I spend a lot of time um, in the planning phase. Um, usually when I start my HOTION um, this year and, and the previous year, I spend about doing it. Um, I wasn't obviously wasn't working on it the entire time, but I would, I would kind of build my HOTION. I'd reflect on it for a few days. I'd talk to people. I'd go back to it. I'd modify it. I think I'm at a point right now where it's about 90% done, which I know it's past January 1st, but that's all right. I think I can catch up. All right, so let's talk about each of these individual steps. So the first one, we're going to set the vision. So we're going to define our long-term, usually about 10-year vision. It's kind of hard to look out farther than that. Although I will, Toyota with their mature Hoshin experience actually does have a 60-year vision, which is pretty incredible to me. Though I imagine it's somewhat, um, somewhat vague, given the fact that there can be many changing environmental conditions. So a vision does several things for us. It defines our long-term destination, our true north. It's going to drive those targets that we talked about, both the intermediate and short-term ones. I like this. It should be large enough that it creates obstacles. Now, if you've joined this webinar today, chances are you're interested in personal development, but we're not looking for incremental change with our long-term vision. We're looking for, for breakthrough change. We want to create problems between where we're at today and what our vision is in the future. So here's an example of what someone's vision statement might be for their personal HOTION. Their vision is they want to achieve optimal physical health and be financially prepared for retirement so that they can fully enjoy life and time with family. That's something that resonates with them. That's where they see themselves in 10 years. So to share my vision statement, I want to make a broad and lasting impact to the greater community by spreading the principles and practice of continuous improvement and empowering others to do the same. So I encourage you to craft a vision statement for where you want to be 10 years or so from now. So in short, a strategic vision sets the direction, gives inspiration, and provides motivation. And as you're going through your HOTION plan throughout the year and you're executing on it, um, as you expect, there's going to be points where it, the going gets tough, right? It gets hard to, to execute and be disciplined. And that vision can really provide you that motivation to keep moving forward.
All right, our step number two, we're going to scan the situation. So we want to identify what are those main gaps between our current state and our vision. Now, this step is going to look a lot like an A3 for those of you who are familiar with A3 problem solving. So we've got our current condition. We've got our vision, which is our target condition. And the distance between those two is really our gap. So we're going to compare the elements of our vision to our current situation. And then we're going to identify the primary gaps for focus. Of course, there's many things that we could be working on to drive us closer to our vision. But we're going to narrow our focus to what are the, the ones that are largest in magnitude, those gaps that are the, the biggest between where we are and where we want to go. So here's an example. So the previous um, example shared that this person wanted to achieve optimal physical health and they wanted to be able to retire in 10 years. So their primary gaps, they're currently overweight and they've got a sedentary lifestyle. And also their rate of retirement savings is not gonna enable them to actually retire in 10 years. So those are two pretty significant gaps. So with my gaps, um, this was at the beginning of last year, I noticed that I wasn't as challenged in the role I was in at the time. I was a black belt. And um, I'd been doing the role for about two years. I noticed it was kind of starting to become rinse and repeat with executing projects. I wasn't learning as many new tools. I wasn't really um, moving myself forward with my skills. If I want to be spreading the principles of continuous improvement, I need to be constantly developing myself. And the other thing was I had a limited reputation within the continuous improvement community. In order to spread those, I need to have a reputation and a platform. And I had neither of them at that time, or they were very limited. So that gap between our future, our vision, and our current state is really going to drive what we focus on during those intermediate and short-term goals. All right, the next step, the identify the current opportunities. So a word about this step, you can go about it in a couple of different ways. I chose to focus solely on opportunities. You could go ahead and do a full SWOT analysis. So that stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You can do that. I already had a pretty good grasp on what my strengths and weaknesses are. So I didn't do that step again as I had done that previously. Um, but I focus primarily on opportunities, but you can take your own approach to this. So what external opportunities are currently available that would help you close those gaps and progress towards your vision? So we wanna look for opportunities that have the highest potential impact. So we're looking to leverage um, the external factors that might be working in our favor this year as we're trying to accelerate towards our goals. So for the first example, um, this person's spouse was also motivated to improve their physical health. So there might be an opportunity to, to partner on that journey. And their last child had just left for college. So now they could possibly downsize their house. That happened recently. So that was an opportunity. For me last year, um, one of the key opportunities was there was an open promotion available to master black belt at my company. I also had the opportunity to partner with folks like Kinexus and Gemba Academy, some established um, continuous improvement resources um, that could help me to learn how to deliver value-added content to kind of experiment with that. And I also had a very uh, successful turnaround endeavor that I had worked on a year before last year that I thought would be a very good story to help um, share with others and start building my reputation and platform. 
So understand what opportunities are available that you can leverage that might accelerate your progress towards your vision even more quickly. So once we've identified those opportunities, we're going to determine what are our three to five year objectives, right? So this is kind of the intermediate step on our way to our vision. So what could we do in the next three to five years that is going to help close our gaps and hopefully take advantage of the opportunities in front of us? Key point here, I cannot emphasize emphasize this enough. So I usually don't like to give rules of thumb because they don't apply in every situation. I would, but I would very strongly encourage you to not have more than two to three objectives. Um, it just becomes too broad in scope. If you have more than that, there are certainly exceptions, but I would, I would, um, I would stake a claim that that's a pretty good rule of thumb. At this point, we're not defining how we're going to achieve these objectives yet. We're just focusing on the what. So in this first person's example, they want to reduce their vitals, their weight, their blood pressure, all of that to healthy ranges in the next three to five years. They also want to run the Boston Marathon with their spouse with a time of less than three hours. It's pretty impressive. And they want to grow their retirement account to over half a million dollars. So wherever possible, you want to quantify these objectives where you can. Um, you'll find in my example here, mine are not quantified. They're, they're a little bit more difficult, more subjective. Doesn't mean I can't still evaluate my progress towards them. But I would say in an organization, whenever possible, it's even more important to quantify those to know whether or not you are successful. For me, I can have a pretty good evaluation to know whether or not I'm making progress to those objectives. So I want to build a high level of competency and continuous improvement and establish my reputation as a respected practitioner in the larger CI community and a platform. And I want to focus traditional applications. So things like um, personal life as I'm doing right now, but also want to move into more nonprofit work as well. So those are our three to five year objectives. So once we do that, we want to set our annual goals. So this is where most New Year's resolutions start, you know, so we've done some pre-work prior to this point. So what goals this year could we accomplish that are going to progress us towards those three to five year objectives? So again, just like with the objectives, I wouldn't have more than two to three goals. And this was one of the key things that was a gap for me in previous years with New Year's resolutions. I think I had between eight to 10 goals every year. So the scope was just too broad. I had too many goals, really needed to narrow that. Again, when possible, quantify the results and then double check and verify that these goals are actually aligned with your objectives. So there can, uh, the, you can have strong alignment with some object, objectives and partial alignment. It's great if wherever possible, if you have a goal that, that helps to meet the requirements for more than one objective, you're really maximizing your effort when you need to do that. It's not required, but if you find a goal like that, that's very helpful. So one of the goals um, for this first person is they want to train for and complete the sprint triathlon with their spouse. So that does two things for them for two of their objectives. So it helps them to improve their vitals, their weight, their training for an event like that. But it's also helping them prepare for that Boston Marathon that they want to run. So with two goals, they're able to actually have an impact on two objectives. 
I had two goals last year, two main goals. I wanted to obtain a promotion to Master Black Belt and achieve all of my divisional goals for that year. And then I wanted to establish my platform and experiment with developing and delivering content. So again, I've not delved into the how I'm going to do these things, just what I want to achieve. All right, so once we've set our goals in front of us, our destination for the coming year, we're gonna start building the roadmap. How are we going to get there? So we're gonna go into brainstorm mode. So we're not actually gonna just go ahead and pick what activities we're going to do to accomplish those goals. We're gonna to try to get as broad um, of a span of ideas as we can. What are some of the things that we could that would drive us towards those goals? So if you're, if you're wanting to lose weight, for example, there's probably thousands of ways to lose weight, thousands of different diets and exercises and whatnot. Um, I probably wouldn't put a thousand of them in my brainstorm list, but you know, try to think of some ways that might be feasible for you um, to accomplish those goals. So here's part of my brainstorming list here for last year. I just threw up everything I could, I could think of onto my wall. And consider your current opportunities as well as you're doing this. So look at those opportunities you have available that might be unique to where you're at currently. And I would definitely include those in those in that list. I definitely recommend soliciting input from others on these ideas. So tell them what you're trying to achieve, you know, some trusted advisors, and see if they have any ideas as well on how to achieve them. We're not evaluating or selecting ideas at this point. So it's going to be not to want to go ahead and pick some ideas. Try to resist that. Don't do that yet. We're only brainstorming at this phase. So we'll evaluate and select those activities. So we're gonna evaluate these ideas and we're gonna rank them based on the following criteria. So the benefit and alignment to our goals and the amount of effort and resources required to complete that activity. So there's a couple of different tools that you can use. Um, there are more than that. These are just two that I would recommend looking at using. So one of them is kind of a numerical scoring system. So we might rank benefit on low, medium, high, same thing with effort. We'll assign a number associated with where it lands, and then we'll add those up to get a total score. So an example here, going on a low-carb diet, we've decided it is a medium benefit. It's definitely a high effort. Um, having tried that myself before, it didn't go so well. Um, so definitely a high effort on that one. So the total score was a three. This one, this next one, the benefit effort matrix is what I used. I like it because it's a little bit more visual, but you just kind of lay that out in terms of a graph and it you want to stay in the upper right hand corner because that's our low effort, high benefit zone um, that that's really going to maximize our resources for what we focus on. So we use this ranking as a guide. You know, just because something might be in the red zone doesn't mean that we're not going to do it. Um, but use the ranking as a guide and then disposition each activity. You know, yes, no, we're not going to do it. Maybe. So the maybe activities, if we find out that our yes activities are not getting us the results that we want, we might go back and look at that repository of maybe ideas and see if we want to pull one of those in. So we're going to select those activities and lean towards selecting fewer activities to execute well. So we're going to create our plan, our monthly targets, and our triggers. So develop a timeline for these activities. When are you going to start? When do you plan to finish them? 
consider constraints that you have in your schedule and try to even the workload. So an example of this, I knew I wanted to speak at the AME 2018 conference last year, which I did. So I knew the month of October was pretty much blocked out um, in preparation for that presentation. So I scheduled my other activities around that. This is very important. So set those incremental progress targets um, for both your activities and your goals. So you're going to measure these monthly. I recommend monthly. You can use other increments of time and see how you're progressing towards those. Use your favorite method on how you'd like to track your progress. Um, some people like to use bullet journals. I actually um, kind of created my own little daily management system and put it up on my wall in my office. Um, but decide how you're going to measure, how you're going to actually see whether or not you're progressing and how you're going to track it. So a lot could be said about this next point, but the bottom line is you want to determine some triggers. So that a trigger is a level where if you're not meeting your target, a response is needed. And, okay, well, if I'm not meeting my target at all, I should do something about that. Not necessarily. We don't want to overreact to this. So Mark talks about this a lot in his book, Measures of Success, but we need to know at what level we want to actually react to a signal that's telling us that there's a problem, right? We're not meeting our target. We're in jeopardy of, of not meeting the goal for the year. So here's an example here. So this person for their sprint triathlon, they laid out all the activities they needed to do. They laid out all the targets for each month and they set their trigger levels. Lots of different ways to do this. I tend to set my triggers similar to what you see here. Um, but so their trigger for action is when they have a month of not meeting target by um, greater than 20%. So if they're 80% or less of target, they need to take action or at least consider taking action. For me, I usually say it has to be two consecutive months of not meeting target and then I'll take action. But tracking this progress to target really allows us to quickly identify when we're not on track to meet those activity goals or those um, the end goals for each year. And it gives us an opportunity to respond um, more quickly so that we can get back on track. Document the Hoshin plan at this point. So I have intentionally not talked about templates with you up until this point. And the reason for that is I don't want you to focus on just filling out a template or the, the thought process behind that. But after we do get our Hoshin thinking together, we do wanna to put it together on a, a one sheet of paper. And the reason for that is it's for communication and for your ongoing review throughout the year. So there's a couple of main template structures. Uh, the first you may have heard of if, you've, if you're familiar with Hoshin at all. So the enigmatic X matrix. Um, so here's a, here's a snapshot of an X matrix template here. It is the traditional template for Hoshin planning. It does very clearly show that cascading alignment from your vision all the way down to your tactical activity level. The thing that I don't care for with the X matrix is it can be very complicated and difficult to understand, particularly if you've not had experience with it before. I started using it last year and I decided it was, it was um, overkill for what I was trying to do. I think after you've had more advanced Ocean experience, you can consider using it, um, but it's not necessary. There, there is another tool that works fairly well from what I've seen, and that tool is the Strategic A3. So it's more accessible, it's easier to use, and it really helps to tell the story of the Hoshin a little bit better. The alignment 
element um, of the vision down to the activity level might not be as clear. So you just want to make sure you go through and confirm that alignment. But here is a snapshot of the final product for my, my Hoshin Strategic A3 for last year. So I won't go through it in detail, but if you'd like to look at it, you can uh, take a look at the slides afterwards. All right, we're going to pause at this point. We're going to play catch ball. So this is the process of reviewing the Hoshin with other people and modifying it based on their feedback. So I, I solicit people from solicit input from people that I trust and I know are going to give me candid feedback, family, friends, coworkers. And the questions to ask them, am I focusing on the right things? Do you see any concerns? What might I be missing? And what additional ideas do you have? So one of the things I was toying around with last year was looking at pursuing external Master Black Belt certification. And I talked with a couple of people and they said, you know, is that really helping to drive you forward towards forward towards your vision? Um, and I decided it wasn't. I said the internal certification was sufficient. But really, this process of catchball improves the quality and robustness of the Hoshin plan. This is catchball is particularly critical for organizations where the Hoshin plan impacts a lot of people. Um, we need to make sure that we've got alignment and we've got buy-in and also we see if we missed any gaps. So at this point, we're gonna do the, the working the plan. So we're actually going to execute on it and check our monthly progress. We're gonna flag any gaps that have reached that trigger level that we set when we're building the Hoshin plan. If we do reach a trigger, we're going to attempt to identify the true root cause for the gap. So using things like why, why analysis, etc. If a trigger was reached in a, uh, for a process metric related to your annual goals, you might need to take a look and reevaluate. Is it the activities that you're engaged in that need to be adjusted? We're going to take those corrective actions and we're going to monitor and make sure that they actually um, are helping to address the issue. So as an example for that, one of my goals was to read 12 books related to continuous improvement last year. My trigger was two months of missing the target in a row. So one month of missing the target is, is not reaching a trigger. Two months in a row is. So the, I did my YY analysis and I found that the root cause was I was traveling a lot um, those couple of months and I don't like to pack books because they're kind of heavy in my, in my backpack. So the countermeasure for that was I bought a, an e-reader, a Kindle and started loading books onto that. And the result was that that helped bring me back on track. So on a, I would recommend on a quarterly basis reviewing and seeing if you need to adjust your Hoshan. So we're going to do this deeper, deeper reflection of our Hoshan. Are we moving towards our vision? Did we pick the right objectives? Did we pick the right goals? And some questions to ask while you're doing that. Are you still aligned in making progress towards that vision? Do you need to adjust, eliminate, or add any goals or activities? And have there been any environmental changes that you need to adjust for? So this happened to me last year, as I mentioned earlier. So one of my goals was to obtain that promotion to Master Black Belt. Um, so I had an opportunity for my sister to come live with us, my younger sister, and start going to college. And I wanted to be around to support her. And I, I thought that the Master Black Belt role was probably going to be too challenging and demanding to do that. 
So my, um, the way that I adapted was there was an open practitioner role at my company. So still a promotion, still a lot more challenging, um, but would be less demanding than the master black belt role. So I decided to pursue that instead and updated my goal, my activities. And in my reflection at the end of the year, that was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, so I was glad that I was able to adapt and pivot throughout the year. But Hoshin, it is dynamic. It's not static. You don't set it just at the beginning of the year and then look at it again at the end of the year. Um, take time to deliberately reflect. So I say deliberately because we don't want to just be going after shiny objects, right? So we want to take sure, uh, look deep and make sure that any changes we're wanting to make, um, there's justification behind that. So always reflect on the Hoshin at the end of the year. It is a learning process. So we want to see, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, how can we improve it? So some questions to ask while you're doing their, your reflection. Did you meet all your annual goals? And if you didn't, you know, why or why why not? Did you not did you not meet those? What countermeasures do you need to to look at in order to ensure that you meet them next year? So what went well? You know, if there's things that went well regarding your Hoshin that you want to keep doing next year, definitely want to recognize those. Um, what challenges did you have? And how can you improve your Hoshin process next year? So Mark and I were talking about um, using process behavior charts to measure, um, measure progress. So I think that's one way I'm going to experiment with next year, trying to see if that has, a, has an impact in terms of what I respond to throughout the year. Do you need to reevaluate your vision or your three to five year objectives? So my reflection for this year, I was very excited. 81% of my targets were met. And, but some of the things I knew I needed to improve on. So I did establish that platform. It's called Yoka 10 Learning for Continuous Improvement, but I haven't really figured out what it is I wanna specialize on, specialize in. So that's something I'm gonna take that feedback and incorporate that into my Hoshin next year, some experimental cycles. So we want to reflect to continuously learn from and improve our Hoshin practice each year. All right, so how you can apply Hoshin. Hopefully this helps to break down the process a little bit more for you. Um, yours is probably going to look different and make modifications and tweaks as needed. But take this experimental approach. You definitely want to the process, give it a chance to, to see what the results are, um, but experiment with it. See if it works for you or not. Take time to reflect deeply throughout that development process. So go slow to go fast. Definitely start small. And even if you only have one to two annual goals, I would start small and not bite off more than you can chew. I definitely think I did that last year to some extent. I'm going to be narrowing the focus of my Hoshin moving forward into 2019. With these activities, definitely take an experimental approach. So we talked about those micro PDSA cycles. They apply to your activities. So evaluate and see, are these activities actually moving you towards those goals or do you need to adjust them? Be very disciplined in tracking, reviewing, and responding to your progress. So this is that daily discipline of, am I achieving what I set out to do you know, each, each day, each week, each month, and how am I tracking that? And then responding to and evaluating if you're able to close your gaps. Definitely do that periodic overall at, um, Hoshin evaluation, those, those quarterly reviews that we discussed. Don't be afraid to adapt it as needed. That's part of the process. 
And as with any continuous improvement method or tool that you're beginning to learn, um, aim for progress, not perfection. Toyota's not perfect at doing Hoshin. I'm certainly not perfect at it. I'm still learning on it. But I definitely made an improvement from, from last um, I'm pleased with the results, but aim for progress, not perfection. So Hoshin, it really is this powerful approach. And I think you'll find it's really going to accelerate you towards the achievement of your vision. So some key takeaways here. So Hoshin Connery is that high level PDSA approach to strategy. It starts with defining that, that vision, our true north, where we're going. But it doesn't stop with just strategy, right? So it also provides that roadmap. How are we going to get there? Cascades our vision down to our tactical daily activities. Got that catch ball process to, to obtain input and improve our Hoshin and gain alignment. It emphasizes that regular tracking and review and response process to evaluate our progress and respond to gaps. It includes that review of the plan, that reflection, and encourages adapting when you need to. So in short, Hoshin Conry um, is really, it is a powerful approach. It aligns our strategy with our execution and accelerates progress toward vision. And this has been proven out, um, not just in my personal life, of course, but throughout many organizations, P&G, Xerox, Ford, they all use Hoshin Conry. It really is a very powerful approach. So if you're interested in learning more about Hoshin, there are some additional resources for you. So Getting the Right Things Done by Dennis Pascal, I recommend. It tells it in a story format, um, so I definitely recommend that. Beyond Strategic Vision, we'll give you some more tools. I gave you just some tools within the Hoshin planning that you could possibly use. It goes into a lot more depth about other tools that you can use. And then a plug for Kinex is they've got some great strategy deployment software and other solutions. So definitely look and see what they've got related to Hoshin. Connect with me I'm through my website, so yokotenlearning.com, and that's spelled um, Yoko, like Yoko Ono, Y-O-K-O-T-E-N, learning.com. you can find me on LinkedIn, and you can also connect with me at jess at yokotenlearning.com. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Mark. Jess, thank you. Uh, really appreciate you, you sharing these insights about Hoshin Conry for the workplace, the personal realm, um, the, the, the overlaps and applicability of all of this in terms of your, your PDSA cycle at the webinar you planned, you did. Um, I, I think as we study, um, there's not much need to adjust. I think that was I think that was really good. So I appreciate you doing that for us. So um, we'll let just catch your breath. And as questions continue coming in, let me make a few quick announcements. First thing I want to tell you about is upcoming webinars. And uh, Jess, can you, oh, there you go. Um, as always, you can register for these at kinexus.com slash webinars. There's a link where you can sign up uh, for our newsletter, which will get you notified about future webinars. Coming up on January 31st, the ever popular Banna Rippy Show, which is intended for Kinexus customers, where Matt Banna and Ryan Rippy will um, demonstrate um, some new features in the Kinexa software show you how to maximize your use of the system. And our next presentation webinar, which is welcome to everybody, is going to be presented by Megan Scanlon. She is a principal with the firm Value Capture. She's going to be presenting on the idea of zero harm and um, how that can help drive a lean transformation. And this will be based on work um, 
in healthcare and manufacturing. I think this will have um, really good broad applicability um, for, for people. Um, and uh, I really appreciate the focus on safety and the fact we'll be able to bring um, that presentation to you. If you want to catch up on past webinars, including uh, the two that Jess did on A3, you can find those in our continuous improvement webinar library, webinars on demand. If you go to kinexus.com, click on the learn menu and you'll see a drop down that includes a place to click on the on-demand webinars. These are all free and there's, there's dozens, uh, I have to go back and count, dozens and dozens of webinars. In there now, you can also check out our blog. You can actually go to blog.kinexus.com. And the final thing I wanna tell you about is our podcast series. Uh, a lot of times people watch the webinars and, and sometimes they wanna go listen to it while they're running or driving, um, kind of uh, let, let things sink in further. You'll be able to get the audio of today's webinar along with other, you know, we, we do previews of upcoming webinars as, as just um, did for us. You can find that at kinexus.com slash podcast. You can find us um, in most of the popular podcast services. So with that, we'll, we've got about 10 minutes uh, for Q&A. Um, Andrea asked, does this process work well for short-term goals, not three to five years out, but an objective that you have for six months or one year? What, what do you think about that, Jess? Um, I think it, it does. I would just truncate it so you wouldn't actually do the first couple of steps. But I might take um, take a step back and ask why you would limit it just to a one-year goal. So that's okay if you do, but I would want to see, you know, is it possible that you've got a longer range goal that you can just check for alignment on for that one year goal? But I can't, it's, it's, it's like any other um, kind of daily management system process. If you have a goal, um, the, the remainder of the steps do apply. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Um, for the 20% of, of resolutions or goals that you missed, did you come up with some reasons why, and this might be too personal to get into detail, so maybe you can just answer yes, no. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on kind of going back and doing that analysis of why goals were missed in this personal resolutions realm? So part of the, the, the true root cause for that was actually the fact that I was not able to really quantify whether or not I was making those gains in my continuous improvement knowledge. And what that ended up causing was I couldn't directly measure whether or not like some of the activities I was doing, such as like um, reading the continuous improvement books, whether or not those were actually moving me towards that. I mean, and how, how quickly they are and what the magnitude was that they were moving me towards that. So I didn't actually finish all my 12 continuous improvement books last year. So that was one of the ones that I missed. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was a matter of uh, potentially having too many activities for the sake of having activities. I tend to want to bite off more than I can chew. So I, I attribute my lack of focus and ability to measure the results as the root cause for those 20% that were missed. But good question. Yeah, and, and that's a really common tendency. And I've seen you know, organizations, you know, especially in their first annual cycle of strategy deployment, really struggle with the idea of the uh, the not now list of, of trying to turn to, to you know uh, scale back the number of large strategic initiatives you know John Toussaint calls them the the must do can't fails and if there's too many of those um, you know you you often end up accomplishing 
nothing, but it, you know, it takes discipline or, you know, people don't want to admit we can't do it all, whether that's personally or organizationally. Right. Yes. And actually that was one of the, not, not failure modes, but it was one of the things that we stumbled on when we applied it in that organization outside of Toyota. We had seven goals that year, which um, might sound feasible for, for an entire division, but it was actually too many. Um, it dispersed mm -hmm. our efforts and we weren't focusing on those critical few. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, Brian asked, do you have a good elevator speech to use to get seen that he could use or that anyone could use, I guess, to get senior management's attention for the concept of Hoshin Conry? Should I... Do I set a 30-second timer for you, or what's a good elevator speech? <laughs> well, here, here's how I'll answer that question. So I think that results tend to be louder than any words that you might say. So if you're in that situation where your, your executives are a little skeptical about whether or not this is going to work, I would suggest proving it out in a smaller scoped area. So if you could, if you test the waters and they're not open to it, I would say maybe there's a department manager who's willing to try it for their department. And it, when the executives see those results that I believe that you'll get, and I think that conversation will be a lot easier and you won't have to work as much on your pitch. Okay, uh, Gregory asks, do you, do you think uh, Toyota Kata should be integrated with Hoshin Conry? So yes, and I think Toyota. I, I'm I'm learning more about Toyota Kata, and I'm gonna try. Actually, gonna try to integrate that a little bit more. I would say even with the approach that I used last year, because Toyota Kata really is another manifestation of that PDSA cycle. I think it was embedded in there, but what I like about Toyota Kata is it tends to even further promote that spirit of humble inquiry and experimentation. Um, so, and I think that it would help me. I tend to be very linear in my thinking, and I think that Toyota Kata really helps you to explore some some alternate options. So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know, in these different, I'll, I'll add. I mean, these different forms of PDSA. I'm partial to uh, you know the practice of daily kaizen, um, engaging people in PDSA improvements. And you know, there, there's a book I've often recommended um, called The Spirit of Kaizen, and it's written by a psychologist, Bob Moore. And you know, I've been thinking about this in the context of New Year's resolutions. I wrote an article for the Lean Enterprise Institute about the idea of baby steps. And this is something Moore talks about. When we make change big, we, people get scared. Uh, our fight or flight instinct kicks in thanks to our amygdala. And the, the one strategy he suggests is to make change small. So uh, I'll, try to turn, I'll turn this uh, into a question back to you, Jess. Um, pardon my pontificating, but the question for you, Jess, of, you know, the idea, I'm curious to your reaction of the goal is read 12 books, and that breaks down to read one book a month, and if somebody gets discouraged and says, oh, I can't do it, Dr. Moore's advice would be to set an intermediate goal of, well, I'm going to read five minutes before bed, and then when you accomplish that, you get positive reinforcement, now maybe you start reading 10 minutes a night, and, you know, work your way up to the pace it would take to read one book a month. I'm, I'm curious to hear your reactions to an approach like that. 
So I, I think that that's spot on, Mark, because when as humans, we're kind of wired to re, to uh, crave reward, right? So if we're trying to modify our behavior, how do we create rewards that, rewards that encourage that behavior, even on the kind of the interim journey? So in that case, if you hit your, your five minutes a day, you feel good. And what often happens is we know when we're reading books, right? You read it for five minutes, you start getting kind of wrapped up in it. And you start, and before you know it, two hours has gone by and you're going to bed too late. At least that's what happens to me. So I think that absolutely using that approach, um, it's hard to sometimes the biggest hurdle. So if you can figure out a way to at least get started with it, with a small change, I think that can be very impactful. Um, Ismail asked, does Yoka Learning offer formal training about how to host a Hoshin session? So that is definitely something that we can we can offer. Um, I have hosted a hosting a, a Hoshin workshop before, so that is definitely something. If you want to reach out to me, we can talk further about that. Okay. Um, the question about the benefit effort chart. Sometimes people call this a, a pick chart. When you put something up there, it's a hypothesis or a guess sometimes about what the effort or what the impact would be. So to the diet example, what if you don't know if a low carb diet would be effective or if it would be more effective than other uh, approaches to diet? What, what, What would you suggest if we don't know where to place something? I really like this question. So it's an example of of thinking is still required when you're using these types of tools. So if the answer is you don't know, um, you might want to take a step back and do some research first. Um, You could possibly talk with other people, you know, look at the pros and cons, you know, by doing some research on what material is available out there on it. But even after you do that research and you stick that sticky note up on that benefit effort matrix, it's always going to be your best guess. And the way that you're going to verify that is by measuring the results as you go through those activities throughout the year. Yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, maybe, you know, people take their best guesses and that's the beginning uh, of experiments, whether that's framed as, as PDSA, Toyota Kata, Kaizen, um, you know, being on that realm of, uh, of, of learning and, and, and that frontier of, um, you know, figuring out what will work. Um, I'll leave you the last word, but one thought that comes to me just is the idea of, well, maybe we need to be comfortable with not knowing. Maybe that's easier said than done. Yeah, I think that that's human nature, right? To not to to crave certainty. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, the problem is there's there's so many factors that you can't predict, right? So it's it's impossible to know, and that's why we experiment. So we take our best educated guess, but then we actually experiment. And say, okay, so I thought this was going to be low effort, but it turns out that low carb diet's actually really high effort for me. So do I need to kind of look at adjusting, or do I stick with it? Um, but yeah, there's there's going to be an element of uncertainty, and learning to be on un- to be comfortable with being uncomfortable with that is something I'm working on too, but that, that is part of it. <laughs> well, these are really great thoughts. I appreciate you sharing not just the methodology, but some personal reflections around how you've applied this and practiced and learned by doing. Um, really, really appreciate it. So I want to thank uh, on behalf of the Kinexus team, Jess Orr, for presenting. I would encourage you visit her website, yokatenlearning.com. You can see her email address there if um, you have other questions. And uh, again, would encourage you, go check out the webinar library. Her previous 
uh, webinars on A3 methodologies uh, were well attended, well reviewed, really helpful for people. So um, uh, again, uh, this has been Mark Graben. I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, hopefully we'll see you at the end of February and later throughout the year. Um, our goal is to, again, do one webinar a month. So um, hopefully we'll see you here. And uh, as some of my colleagues say, and I, I, I guess they cringe and I'm not comfortable saying it either. Well, it's cheesy. See you, Kai, next time. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. It made me chuckle. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, everyone.